Welcome to Sing, Coach, Conduct, the podcast for singers and singing teachers. Hello, singers, singing teachers, artists, creators. Welcome to the premiere episode of Sing, Coach, Conduct. I'm your host, Megan Ferrison. I know how difficult the past year has been, and certainly it's been harder on some more than others. I want to take a moment to recognize all of you who have worked so hard the past year, more than a year now, to continue making the world a better place through art. Whether you've been teaching choir, working one-on-one as a voice instructor, or you've been singing, songwriting, directing theater, anything that brings something beautiful into existence. These things you're doing are already incredibly challenging, as you well know, and the struggle that many of you have endured during the pandemic has only increased those challenges exponentially. But here you are, still moving forward, and the fact you are listening to this podcast right now tells me you are searching for knowledge, inspiration, connection, whatever it may be to help you on this journey, and I'm grateful to be here with you. I don't know if it's the fact that things have been so difficult that I wanted to fight back even harder to do all the things that I want to do. I feel a lot like Jennifer Aniston's character in the movie The Switch, where she says to Jason Bateman, you know what? I'm tired of thinking about how this is supposed to go. I'm just ready to do it now. Life is in session. I feel like many, if not all of you, can relate to this. We're artists, and artists are always creating, always wanting to grow, and that comes with many challenges. For instance, we are often very hard on ourselves, and that can hold us back from the things we dream of doing. We become paralyzed by the fear of failure or embarrassment. When I knew I wanted to do this podcast, I researched some of the other podcasts that address similar themes. Choralosophy with Chris Muntz, Music Ed Matters with Dr. Emily Williams-Birch, Choir Baton with Beth Philemon. There are several more. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, look at everything these people have accomplished. I'm never going to be able to do all the things they've done. I should just give up now, right? I had to remind myself that once upon a time, these people were at the exact same point in their podcasting journey that I am. I can be a bit of a perfectionist, and even the idea of doing a podcast becomes quickly overwhelming, especially when I think about wanting to deliver all of my words perfectly. But I just have to let go of the fact that I'm not going to say everything perfectly, because I'm a human being, and I made the decision that I'm not going to let that stop me from making this podcast because it's been on my mind and my heart, and it means enough to me to face those fears. In fact, you may hear me make up words from time to time. It runs in the family. But rest assured, when I go back to review episodes for feedback, I will definitely catch myself doing it and work to eliminate those words which will probably be replaced with brand new made-up ones later. I think it's also overwhelming to think about the people who have had major success in the field of performance, conducting, composing. Our field is very competitive. We look at Eric Whitaker and we think, man, that guy's got great hair. I would love to live his life. But we're only seeing one part of the story. We don't know what these people went through to get where they are. We see their success, but oftentimes don't get to see the failures they've experienced along the way or continue to face. Yes, these people are great at what they do, and we can learn a lot from them. But you are not John Rutter. 
You are meant to be you. And what you have to offer is unique and meaningful. Stop comparing yourself to somebody else. Another important thing to remember is that you play a special role in the lives of the people you offer your art and your teaching to. Your students can admire these celebrity singers, conductors, performers, but those people aren't the ones who are showing up every day to work with them, to help them to become better musicians and people. That's you. I'm sure you can think of a time when you made someone else's day better simply by being you. When you performed a song and it touched someone deeply. When a kid said, I really didn't want to come to school today, but then I remembered I have choir. My husband had a student in his choir class name her baby Daniel after my husband because he had had such a huge impact on her life. Take that, John Rudder. What you do matters in a big way. Before I tell you a little bit more about myself, I want to get into the nuts and bolts of this podcast so you know what to expect and look forward to. First off, I want to thank my 8-year-old and 11-year-old for providing the intro and outro to this podcast. I wanted to choose a title that encompasses a wide scope of areas that are relevant to who we are as artists, teachers, performers, and human beings. We're not just one thing. We are complex and we wear so many hats, and I want to look for topics and discussions that offer insight not only into the professional side of our lives, but the personal. Learning to sing better, to have a deeper understanding of vocal pedagogy, gaining knowledge on how to coach students and connect with them, how to be our own personal coach for success, how to be better conductors. These are just some of the ways we can grow in our craft, become more confident in our abilities, and explore new territories. And we know that art matters. So it's important for us to keep striving to be the best versions of ourselves and for others to see that as well. I originally chose these topics because I wanted to learn more about them, and I'm hoping others will benefit by getting to be a part of these discussions. I had to stop recording just now so that I could tell my children to stop wrestling and yelling and falling on the floor. So if you think that things have to be absolutely perfect for you to do the things you want, they don't. The format will be a mixture of solo podcast episodes and interview style episodes. If there's a particular topic I can speak to from experience, I will do so, but I am most curious to learn from others. To quote Waldo Emerson, every man I meet is my superior in some way, and in that I learn from him. When I thought about doing this podcast, really doing it, imposter syndrome immediately kicked in. But everyone is going to get to a point where they'll want to do something and think, why me? What do I have to offer? I'm feeling it even now, but I want to tell you that it's okay to be afraid and still choose to do something. I can't remember where I heard this quote, but it was something to the effect of, we need to retrain ourselves in the ways we think about stress or anxiety. If we feel anxious or nervous, it doesn't always mean that what is happening is bad or that we need to run away from it. Sometimes that feeling we get in the pit of our stomach is excitement, and it means we're about to do something new or important. It's also okay to accept we don't know everything, and we don't have to pretend to know everything. So I have a choice. I can worry about the things I don't know and the experiences I haven't had, Or I can think about all the things I'm going to learn and the experiences I will have as a result of this endeavor. With that being said, I want to share with you a little bit about my story. I grew up singing and playing an instrument in church, the Salvation Army, which many people don't even realize is a church. 
But if you have ever watched the musical Guys and Dolls, you have seen a Salvation Army band and witnessed the evangelical approach to ministry that the church is founded on. For a long time, my grandfather was the hymn leader, and he would get up every Sunday with an enthusiastic, good morning! The brass band would play behind him while he led everyone in song. Later, when he retired from the position, he sat in the pew next to me, clapping and singing along, except he was the only one clapping on the offbeat. But that never bothered him. When I would mimic his clapping, he would look down at me and smile. I was in band and theater in school, but I didn't join choir until my junior year of high school. In fact, I went to college to become a band director. I did a year where I focused on instrumental and vocal music and eventually found my niche with vocal music education. I've been a voice instructor since I was 18. I started giving lessons in college to friends, church, and community members. Our university had a great program that allowed students to give lessons and to be paid, which was great. I married a choir director, and we moved downstate where my first job was teaching middle and high school choir and also being the musical director. To this day, my husband will laugh at me because it took me a full year to realize we weren't living in a city or a town, but a village. And it really was a wonderful area. The people were wonderful. Between the middle and high school, the program had 150 students. The summer after my first year, I offered voice lessons to students to help bolster the program, which not only helped my students, but helped my piano skills tremendously. At the end of my second year, one of the counselors came to me and asked if I wanted to have 115 people in my first hour high school choir. I asked, do they all want to be there? And she said, yes, they do. So I asked her to keep everyone signed up. We had to look into the fire code for the room just to make sure it was safe to have that many students in one area because the choir room was not built with that many students in mind. The program had grown to almost 350 students, and I was running the choir program and directing the musical and eventually the play as well. Five years into teaching and two children of our own, I decided to leave this school district. It was a difficult choice to leave, and it had nothing to do with the students or community, but it was time for me to move on. I spent a full year as a voice instructor. I taught out of my home, traveled to multiple schools in the area, and was offered a position at a nearby college. I was teaching over 60 private lesson students every week, which was insane, but I really enjoyed it. I met so many people and I learned so much in that year. The following year, I began working as the head director of a high school in the same district as my husband. The district was very supportive. Classes were team taught. We had a full-time accompanist who also filled the role of music department secretary. We were ridiculously spoiled. My husband and I felt settled. We bought our first home. The hardest part about teaching in Indiana was that pay scales are non-existent. My husband had been working in the district for five or six years when I started working there, and he was still making step one salary. But we were really happy. And just when we thought we had life figured out to some degree, my husband saw a post on Facebook that a district in Michigan, where our family lives, had just initiated a huge buyout for teachers, leaving five music positions open, including choir director positions at the two main high schools. Even though we love the area, our jobs, our friends, we chose to apply. We told ourselves that if it didn't work out, we would still be grateful to continue living where we were. 
My husband and I applied as a married choir director team. We interviewed and were offered the job. So they assigned one of us to one side of town and the other to the opposite side. We really felt like we had won the lottery that day because these jobs meant we would live close to family and we would be able to earn a better income. And we knew the kids were great. In this particular district, the choir director position included the high school, middle school, and several sessions of elementary music. It became a challenge to balance work with having two young boys at home. We would have to drop them off two hours before their school started and pick them up two hours after they got out, which were really long days for them. I'll never forget how we'd pick them up, and the first question would be, do we get to go home today? We had so many after-school commitments that we'd just take them with us, and they did love being around the students, and the students loved being around them, but it was a lot. In the fall of our second year with the district, a local church was in need of a choir director because their choir director had recently retired. Dan and I were looking for a church at the time, so we inquired about the position, and it ended up that they asked us to co-direct the church's adult choir. We felt like sharing the responsibilities would make the job manageable, and we loved the church, so it ended up being a good situation for our family. But we knew the church would eventually need to fill the full-time position. This is when we started talking about the possibility of one of us leaving our school position to work as the full-time director of music and arts. I never thought I would leave the public school system, but it was what was best for our family. So I resigned from my school position at the end of the 2018 school year. As you can imagine, it was difficult leaving the classroom. I felt like I had given up a big part of my identity. I loved getting to see students every day and the relationships that develop from that consistency. Several of my students over the years had called me Mom or Mama Ferrison, and I knew a day would come when I would no longer hear that name. But the timing of this opportunity couldn't have been better, and I was genuinely excited for this new season of my life. I was still able to use my skills and have meaningful relationships within my workplace. It also afforded me the freedom to work with other people's choirs, teach privately again, and adjudicate at local and state vocal events. When the pandemic hit, everything in our church moved online. Our choir started meeting on Zoom, which I was not excited about initially, but it ended up being a special opportunity for choir members to get to know each other better. It definitely had some surprising benefits, and most importantly, it allowed our choir members to stay connected to one another. The children, youth, and adult groups have all participated in virtual choir projects, and we have made the best out of a less-than-ideal situation. I learned how to provide voice lessons online, which was also an unfamiliar experience, but I enjoyed that as well. And that brings you up to speed with where we are today. It's an extremely abridged version, but I hope it helps you to get a better sense of who I am and the things that matter to me. I am thrilled to have the opportunity to get started on this journey, and I hope you will join me. Thank you for listening to Sing, Coach, Conduct. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe to the show by clicking the subscribe button.